The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? I've already texted my old dealer there before I even left L.A. Like, it was all mapped out. And, you know, I changed my return flight three times because I I still wasn't sober enough in my mind to pull it off, you know, per se. Knowing all all the time, I'm not going to pull this off. There's just no way. <laughs> this is but, the end. Everything yeah. is burning. There's no but, putting out this fire. Yeah. So <laughs> I get home. We get into a tiff. My oldest daughter hates when we even jokingly kind of yell back and forth. Where like we're having a debate on Madonna or whatever it is, and she's like, "I don't like when you guys do that." But my youngest daughter came to sit next to me, and then she got away from me rather quickly and she said you don't smell like my daddy that was it and the very next day I was still hungover, and I went to celebrate a friend's three year sobriety day at the sober living that she used to live at and I turned to a friend who is now my sponsor and I was like dude I'm done that was a quick clip from this week's episode with AJ McLean I'm so grateful that he finally joined me on the podcast. I've been bugging him for like a year to come on. And he was like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And of course, the guy is like so busy. But I'm so grateful to have had Alex on. We call him Alex. Sometimes Alexander. Actually, I don't think I've ever called him Alexander. Only Rochelle does that. But Alex, I'm so grateful to have had Alex on the podcast As many of you guys know, Rochelle and I have been friends for a long time. That's Alex's wife. Um, Our kids homeschool together. They dance together. They're best friends. And it's been truly remarkable watching the stages and ebbs and flows of Alex's recovery journey over the last, you know, many, many years of us knowing each other. And he is just really a testament to um, never giving up. He has had several bouts of sobriety, which you'll hear about in this episode. And finally, this one stuck. And it's interesting because I've seen such a huge shift in him over the last year. I remember in October of 2019 how bad his addiction had gotten and how much Rochelle was struggling with it. And by the way, guys, Rochelle's been on the podcast. She was one of my very first episodes, if you want to go back and listen. But watching your friends suffer in that way certainly is not easy. And if you've been around someone who's been in active addiction you know how bad it can get at the end. And then in December of 2019, we were at their annual 
or I guess it would be annual, but then we didn't have one this year, obviously, because of COVID, holiday party at the house. And Alex was in the front and he pulled me aside and he goes, I just want to let you know that I'm doing this, that I've got a week and a half sober and I'm really committing to it this time. And I just started bawling, crying (laughs) because it's such a gift. You know, it's sobriety is an interesting thing because it's like you can't force someone to have a bottom. The bottom for an addict or an alcoholic, it's a spiritual experience. So you can't force someone to have that. And so you're like watching on the sidelines, this, this turmoil and these ups and downs. And, you know, and it's interesting because with Alex, he was on tour that whole time. Right. So like, we didn't really see much of it or I didn't really see much of it up close. I saw bits and pieces of it, but I knew how bad it was. And I know how much when you're in that place, you are suffering. And so when he told me he was really giving this thing a shot, I was like, wow, I'm so grateful and happy to hear that. And then you know, COVID hit and everything shut down. And what I've watched over the last year is Alex persevere in like the worst year possible, like making it through 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 10 months, a year in 2020 makes me think that you can literally get through anything. So it's been such an honor to witness this transformation. And with that, I'm going to let us dive into this episode and um, let Alex tell you more about his journey. I love you all so much. And so here is AJ McLean. Last year showed us that you never know what life is going to throw at you. And if you used credit cards to pay for unexpected expenses, it can be overwhelming to manage the debt. Take control with Upstart so you know exactly what to expect. Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans from $1,000 to $50,000. You can get approved the same day and receive funds as fast as one business day. If debt is taking over your life, it's time to get fresh with Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com forward slash reality. That's upstart.com forward slash reality. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based off your credit score, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash reality. You guys, Guess who? I literally had to beg Alex, or as you know, I'm AJ, via text, and I said I would give him the hat I was wearing right now to get him on the fucking podcast. Which you have to follow I owe through. You the, you, <laughs> I owe you the hat You now. have to follow through. Not that I need another hat like that, but... It's insane. If you walk into, into AJ's bathroom slash 
closet slash just huge room. It's a wall of hats. Mm-hmm. Walls of hats. Yes, there's three walls of hats. I know. Um, I just got a new one a couple of days ago, actually. And I'm waiting for one that's being made uh, for my upcoming music video that I'll be shooting in January for the first single of my debut solo album. I cannot wait. So, and it's pink. Ooh. It is very pink. Like blush pink, hot pink. What are we talking about? Like a blush pink. Like it's a blush not, pink. yeah, it's like a more muted pink. It's not like good God fluorescent. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Which made me think about when you said pink, the fact that you kind of were and have always been pushing the boundaries as far as gender stereotypes mm-hmm. in your career, which I love. And we'll get into. And I've listened to a couple, it's here, it feels weird interviewing you because I like know you. <laughs> so I spend every day with you. This is true. So now I feel like a little bit bizarre asking you these questions. But as I was reflecting on what we would talk about today, I was like, I don't really know much of the AJ before Backstreet Boys. I don't really know much of the AJ of early Backstreet Boys days. Mm. I just have seen the AJ of the last 10 years, which has really been crazy to watch the transformation because 10 years ago, you weren't so much in the spotlight as you are now. And you spent this last year very much so in the spotlight, but also achieving a year of sobriety. Yes, 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 it is. Thank you. Um, So let's go all the way back. I know, (laughs) I know your mom and she's such a sweet lady and she's married to your stepdad. Mm -hmm. How old were you when they got together and was your dad ever in the picture or no? So funny story. Not a lot of people know I was previously engaged before I met my now wife to a girl named Sarah. And so my mom kind of ha- went through this, like, God, it must have been about five, seven, five or seven years of just dating. And like every guy broke her heart. Every guy broke her heart. It was just this constant thing. And she was about to just give up. And the whole thought of even getting remarried was pretty much going out the door. So she ended up going on one of those fucking dating sites. I don't know which one it was at the time. So. I flew back to Florida with my then fiance to surprise my mom. And we literally brought my then puppy with us as well. She was about five months old. She was a uh, a bull mastiff puppy. So just flopping all over the place, huge puppy, big puppy paws. And there was a restaurant in Orlando called Cafe Tutu Tango. They used to have one here at CityWalk one of my all-time favorite restaurants. So that was my mom's favorite place to go for like margaritas and this, that with, you know, with, with all of her girlfriends. So that's where she picked to go on her first date with my now stepdad. So I call her, not telling her where I'm, that I'm even in, you know, Florida and whatnot. And I said, hey, so where are you right now? And she's like, oh, I'm at uh, Tutu's having dinner. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, uh, I'll give you a, a call later. Da, da, da. I just want to call and check in. And then I roll in with my fiance. Did she know you were engaged? She knew I was engaged. Okay. Yeah. She had, she had already met 
you know, Sarah. I didn't know but... if this was like inactive addiction. No, Surprise, no, 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 mom, no. I was married. No, no, no. <laughs> I was I was about I was fresh out of rehab actually. So the first time back in two thousand one. So Sarah and I walk in, and my mom and this guy are sitting in the back back corner next to the window. And I walk in, and I don't even look to my left or my right. I'm just looking like tunnel vision right at my mom. And she just like turns bright red. And to every table left and right are like probably between 18 to 25 year old girls. (laughs) And they all lost their shit. (laughs) So my mom is like, so remember I told you my son was in the business of like, you know, music and entertainment. And he's like, yeah. She's like, that's my son. And he was all confused as to why all these girls were like losing their (laughs) freaking mind. So that was the first time I met my stepdad and he'll never forget it. And, uh, I actually walked my mom down the aisle. Mm. They, they got married at what was my old house in Orlando that I ended up giving to my mom. (laughs) Uh, we had a Christmas party one night and, uh, or on, on Christmas Eve. And, uh, I was fucking wasted beyond wasted. And at the end of the night, I gave this big speech and I said, you know, I saved my mom for last. What do you give the woman who's given me everything? And I said, mom, I'm giving you the house. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning and she made me, she had made me breakfast and she was all, all weepy eyed. And, oh, and, and I'm like, like, I can't I'm like, what? No. I'm like, what, why, why, why are you so upset? She's like, no, no, these are all happy tears. I'm like, why? She's like, you know, you don't remember, do you? I'm like, what did I do? And she's like, two things. That bag next to the bed with all the presents that people brought for you, you vomited in. And you gave me your house. And I'm like, shit, I got to move. So, <sighs> yeah. But, and then her and my stepdad, they got married there. Uh, and they lived there for years um, until they moved. I moved them out to Las Vegas to be closer to the grandkids. Because living in LA is a little bit too pricey for my, you know, my, my, Mom is a certified life coach and my stepdad has done watch repair for years. I mean, he knows everything, the ins and outs of every watch. Which for you is like amazing. Oh my God, Because you're Mr. Yeah. Watches. I do, lo- I do love me some watches. <laughs> he, he has walls of hats and drawers of watches. It was so funny when I remember, you know, I've been in the house a bunch, but I don't spend time in your bedroom. Um, but you guys were filming for Dancing with the Stars, but we were self-filming because yeah. it was crazy and chaotic. And yeah. I came to the house and Rochelle was like, I'm so stressed. We have to film all this stuff and like look at the house. So I'm like, okay, I'll help you. So I start putting away laundry and I'm like, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> there's no space. No, there is. I, and what's I, so funny is it's not yeah. Rochelle's stuff. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's not all, Rochelle's. It's all you. Yeah. And <laughs> I just did my fifth purge which is where I basically have my buddy Zaya or my buddy Renee come over and just go shopping, you know, because we all wear pretty much the same size and we all wear the same size shoes. Sneakers is my biggest thing. That's my biggest love. Yeah. I'm a huge sneaker head and tried to get Rochelle into it. Um, Rochelle has like five pairs of shoes. But what's funny is, is that, so I've bought her Nikes. I've bought her Jordans. I've custom made them for like anniversaries and birthdays and she hasn't worn them. And then two days ago, she's opening up a box and she's so excited that she got these Nikes. And I'm like, what the hell? So you'll wear those, but you won't wear the ones I get for you. No. And, and, and I'm the one that knows the sneaker game. Unlike you. 
And she was so happy because she got so many compliments on her Nike mm. 270s, wearing them to dance, <laughs> wearing them all around. Like people oh. just like commenting on them. But uh, but yeah, I mean, where I am today compared to then, because even though I was sober from 2001 to 2007, I was sober. And that was only after one time in you know treatment. But I, looking back on it now, I know that I was a dry drunk. You know, I was going to meetings every day and then it was two days and then it was one day and then it was no days. And then, you know, but I could go to a bar with my friends and I was fine. I could go into a liquor store and get cigarettes and I was fine. There was no craving. There was no desire during that time. Yeah. And then per usual, as I'm sure you've experienced back in the day, it doesn't always have to be something personal for you to relapse. It could be something that has nothing to do with you at all. And we were in Belgium and Nick and our security who has since passed away, God rest your soul, Q, um, love you, buddy. They were both highly inebriated. It was a day off the following day. So everybody figured, okay, we're all going to get hammered and play video games and whatever. And those two got into a fight and I was in the middle of it. And I was like stressed out. And I'm like, okay, screw this. I'm going back to my room. I'm like, my anxiety level was through the roof. So I got back to my room at like four in the morning and I was going to turn on a movie just to try to wind down and just go to bed. And I reached in the mini bar to grab a Coke. And I didn't even look. I just grabbed a bottle and I, and I pulled it out and it was a Heineken. And I was like, fuck it. What's one beer? Mm -hmm. it's, not gonna, it's not gonna kill me. Mm -hmm. So I drank about half of it. And then- well, this is a fun fact. It was pretty expensive beer, so I didn't really want to pay for it. So I drank half of it. I peed in it. I put the cap back on and put it back in there. Such an alcoholic thing to do. Yeah. So didn't touch alcohol for three more months. Yeah. And then of oh, course, so then the disease is like. Well, then it's oh, like well, oh, we're good. Yeah, we can. Fig <laughs> we've we we have it figured out now. Yeah. You can do Clearly this in sections. I'm in control here. Yeah. You know, and it's like oh, yeah. so I can do this. Yeah. In like short bursts and I'm okay. Because even when I would relapse, I wouldn't go on a bender. Like I never, not once, and I am a chronic relapser, but I've never gone on like for like a month straight of just drinking and partying. Mm -hmm. It's been like, okay, one night and then I'm sober for like a week or two and then it's one night. It was always back and forth, you know? Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about best beans. What is more annoying than hitting every single light on your drive home or watching a video that stops to reload every two seconds or struggling with a jar that is diabolically engineered to be impossible to open? When I need to blow off steam, I've started playing Best Fiends, the top rated and possibly the best mobile puzzle adventure game. Best Fiends gives you hours of fun, casual gameplay that never gets old with thousands of levels, plus new content and events that are added all the time. So when I need to unwind, I can always count on Best Fiends. I know I love to have games on my phone, especially when I am traveling and in the airport and on a plane. I take out my phone and distract myself from the terror that I have of being on planes with a great game. Best Fiends is the can't put it down mobile puzzle game that is free to download. With over 100,000 downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play. 
Befriend a cast of friends who help you solve each level and defeat the slugs, the slimy but cute baddies. Once you download Best Fiends, you can't put it down. Get used to telling yourself just one more level. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends, but without the R, Best Fiends. I guess my question is this. Okay, because you didn't start really getting into drinking until you were already in your 20s. You've been, mm-hmm. you'd already been a Backstreet Boy for many a years. You've yeah. been to- touring the world, having, you know, all of these fun, crazy adventures as a teen mm-hmm. and into your early 20s. And then all of a sudden, your alcoholism kicked in. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you pinpoint that to a certain thing? Like, when I think about the little stuff that I know, the little of you that I know pre-Backstreet Boys or even early days of Backstreet Boys, like, do you think that, do you think that trauma plays a role in like, in, I'll just ask for you, in your alcoholism and addiction? Do you think not having a dad growing up? Do you think something, being in the spotlight, all of the pressure, do you think that trauma played a role in your addiction? It's, it's funny you ask that question. I just had this conversation with my sponsor just mm-hmm. the other day talking about that exact word trauma. Because in my mind, I was too young for my dad leaving to be traumatic for me. Um, but as the years went on, being kind of the golden boy in my family. Um, I'm an only child. My parents were divorced when I was around three. Um, Saw my dad again when I was around 11 and then didn't see him again for about 18 years. um, You know, he showed up backstage at a concert in Canada and my security was like, there's some guy out back claiming to be your dad what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, what's his name? And he said, Robert. And I'm like, well, what does he look like? And this is, there really wasn't a lot of camera phones, really. That wasn't a big thing. So I found a way to look at him without him seeing me. And I said, yeah, that's, that's my dad. What the hell is he doing here? And he's like, well, do you, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to get him a ticket? Do you want him to come see the show? Do you want him to come to the bus? I'm like, mm, if he doesn't have a ticket, let's get him a ticket. He can watch the show, but I don't, I, I don't really want to see him. But, um, you know, looking back on it now, I could say that there was trauma. There was the abandonment issue. There was this disconnect of not having a father figure. My grandfather took over that role and my uncle took over that role. My uncle, in turn, I found to be somewhat of an alcoholic, you know, and my aunt, who I didn't know, is an alcoholic. She just celebrated 44 years sober, mm. which is amazing to me. And I forgot because I hadn't spoken to that side of my family for the past like 15 years. And I just reconnected with my uncle and my aunt and some of my cousins. Is there's a whole side of my family that my wife doesn't even know, has never met. But trauma, as far as the group goes, I mean, look, I was 14 when this whole thing started and it didn't just take off by any means. You know, we didn't really get success, I'd say, until like the end of 97, 98. 96 is when we put out our first album. But really, like 98 going into 99, which was our Millennium album, which was our biggest album, back in the the 90s, your first album was obviously 
Im, it was Im, important, but it wasn't make it or break it. Your sophomore album, as they would call it, is the most important back then. If your sophomore album tanked, your career was over. We luckily had the Millennium album as our sophomore album, which was 35 million albums sold worldwide. It was the biggest record we've ever done. And at that point, there was this like, there was this shift of almost like a God complex for me of like, I can do whatever the hell I want now. Like I can't go anywhere, but when I do, everybody's eyes are on me and it's all about me. And, but at the same time, it was eating me away inside. Like I, I, I can't go anywhere. Like this is insane. But that insecurity that I've, that, that I still have. And it's, and you know, I think it's funny that it shocks people that I'm so insecure knowing that I can perform for 80,000 people. That, that was definitely as I was getting to know you. So for anyone who doesn't know the background, I knew Rochelle before I met Alex before they were together. And we kind of started this relationship. Our kids ended up in preschool together and yeah, that was definitely interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I I'm also better think now. part of the alcoholism, right? Oh, like it is. this, I feel like, and unless you've been in that, it's hard to understand this this feeling of insecurity and and this gaping hole inside of us, right? Mm -hmm. That's like never filled. No, that that you feel like you constantly have to be filling with clothes or watches or shopping or sex or drugs or alcohol or whatever it All might of the be. Above. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing that a lot of people misunderstand is alcoholism is self-diagnosed. It's not, no doctor, no one can sit there and say, hey, guess what? So your labs came back, you're an alcoholic. It, doesn't, it does not work that way. So my bandmates never really thought I was an alcoholic. They're, they just figured, okay, when whenever he drinks, he goes zero to a hundred. But there's been days where he doesn't drink and there's been, and through the thick of my disease, you know, before I went to rehab the first time, I was a functioning alcoholic. I was able to, you know, be the first one downstairs, last one to bed. My vocals were not, you know, being, being hurt by it. My performance was not being hurt by it. Then towards the end, before I went to treatment the first time, the one thing I said I would never do, I started doing, which is drinking on stage. And, you know, the last three songs of our show, the third to last, I did this whole acting intro with a fake cell phone and the song was The Call. And My I would, favorite song, by the way. Oh, thank you. And I'd walk <laughs> around and, and like we had this like fake phone ring and I'm like, who is it? Is it you? And I'm looking at fans and then I look at my band and I would go to my, my, my percussion player and he would have a red solo cup there filled with Jack. And I would walk over there and say, is it you? I'm like, man, I'm thirsty. And I would just chug it. And it wouldn't hit me until like five minutes till the end of the show because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm dancing full out. So now the alcohol is like, it's in my blood. I'm going. And then I was off to the races. As soon as we got back to the hotel, mm -hmm. it was straight to the mini bar, straight to the bar, whatever it was. Blackout, fall asleep, wake up as if nothing ever happened. And that was the deal for me for two years. I didn't even see the sunlight for two years, literally. Mm -hmm. But today, you know... Uh, that that insecurity level has gone significantly down. It's I've not gone. The, it's true. Yes. It's gone significantly I've down. Seen a major shift because and and there's there's no good way to say this without it sounding somewhat mean. But uh, I am to a place now where I don't give a shit what you think about me. Mm -hmm. Like I don't. Like you, I I I could take it or leave it. 
um, I am the person I am for all the reasons and all the life mm-hmm. lessons that I've learned and will continue to learn. Like, I, there's so much left to learn. I mean, I'm still working through my steps in my in my AA program. I'm, you know, I've yet to sponsor someone because I haven't worked through my steps yet, which terrifies me to take someone under my wing. But it's also super exciting. <laughs> You'll be fine. I know, I'm sure. But again, like I've come to a place now where I don't, I I'm I'm finally can say that I'm comfortable in my own skin. There's still insecurities there that pop up and rear their ugly head for different scenarios. But in in general, I can look at myself in the mirror and be more confident before I leave the house. And I can tell myself in the morning how grateful I am for this, this, and this. And for the most unbelievable wife putting up with my shit for 11 years and then having two gorgeous kids that are just my lifeline and a great extended family, my brother-in-law, my mother-in-law, just wonderful people. Yeah, and you did kind of win the lottery with with Jima. Jima oh especially. She's really she's really such a trooper and is just so loving and, and she's funny as shit without even so trying. She's so funny, she's so kind. I I'm obsessed with her. She's like my dream. I hope to be like Jima when I'm older. Well, I told I told Rochelle last night because we were we so yesterday was our nine-year wedding anniversary. Yes. And I ordered in Mastro's and we did the whole thing at the house. And it was nice to actually celebrate it as a family, as opposed to my wife and I going out together. You know, obviously going out is not a thing right now. But but while she was doing the dishes, we were talking about something. And then I was I was like helping clean up and whatever. And I and I and it just came out. I'm like, you are you're slowly becoming your mom. Your mom. She and is. she and, and she got so <laughs> defensive about it. I'm like, no, it's, it's a, a good, good thing. thing. Like yes. There's uh, there's other mother-in-laws or other there's other moms that I've dealt with in past relationships that were fucking psycho mm-hmm. that thank God you're not that your mom's not that mm-hmm. mom. And I'm like, trust me, it's a good thing. It yeah. really is. You really won the lotto with Rochelle too, because she has been so understanding, so mm-hmm. compassionate, empathetic, kind. And I um, I I remember saying to her, this so the this last run was not great. You've got no. older kids now, right? It's mm-hmm. so much harder. I saw you in Vegas and I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, wow. Well, Ve- Vegas wow. is bad for, <laughs> Vegas is bad yeah. for an addict period. Even yeah. if you've got 30 years, it's just, you're going into the lion's den, no matter mm-hmm. what you say. I don't care how- Is this why you're trying to tell me not to do my dirty 30 and Rochelle's no, dirty 40 no, in but, Vegas? Because no, we but, are going, baby. But we like are I told going. you, like I told you, Vegas with a bunch of sober people, it's like what, penises and Perrier. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> and that to me just doesn't sound fun. I it's, get it. But you know, no, look. I get it. But I also understand, okay, so went to go see you in Vegas. It was such a great show. I had the time of my life. You brought me on stage, even though I told you not to. And I was like, this fucker. You like, can't tell I me was, not to. I was literally having a panic attack in the backstage dressing room. I was like, Alex, please, 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 please. Just don't bring me up on stage. Please, please, please. I like, I was like, I will hyperventilate. And then, of course, security came to get me. And I was like, okay, here we go. Off to the races. Um, the adrenaline of that experience. And that's a smaller stadium. I've seen you at sold out staples. Mm. And I'm like, 
oh my God. I mean, that's the adrenaline rush and coming off of that. You've done it in sobriety, obviously. Mm-hmm. How how do you do that sober and stay sober? Like what is, like what are the tools that you're going to have in place? And then I want to get back to Rochelle and like the end and how you've gotten um, into sobriety. But how, what are the tools that you're going to put in place to support you? Because yes, that adrenaline, that anxiety, mm. that crash after without having anything to numb that would be hard. Well, here's the, here's been my my biggest issue, which is, you know, in the past, when I knew I was leaving to go on the road or go to a different state to record or for press, my mind was already mapped out as to where I'm getting my first drink, mm. um, which one of my dealers I'm going to call. And it was all mapped out because I figured I'm not in town. If I can, you know, monitor my drinking and monitor my drug use, then I can sober up enough to at least call home and say goodnight or FaceTime, not appear to be wasted and then get away with it. And that worked until it didn't. But now moving forward, whenever we do go back on the road, which I don't know when that's going to happen. You know, the music industry is going to be the last industry to come back, which sucks. But at the same time, it's a little bit exciting knowing that I know people are going to just flock to see concerts because they, they want that. They miss that connection with the artist. They miss going to concerts, listening to music for two hours a night, forgetting about your life problems Problems, and whatever. So that's the other side of the coin besides obviously, you know, it's being the last thing that's going to come back, but I'm already mapping it out now in my mind. Okay. So I don't need a babysitter. Yeah. We've tried that. That doesn't work because I can still get away with it if I tried. So it's knowing that I have a very strong foundation before I even step foot on the plane or on the tour bus. My tour bus is wiped and has been wiped of any kind of alcohol or any kind of drugs um, of any kind. You know, I need to make the same environment that I have at home when I'm not at home. So whatever that entails, there, you know, my shows are in the evening and my sound checks or meet and greets are like early afternoon. I have the whole morning and early afternoon to go to a meeting. A plug-in program, yeah. Or yeah. go or or if, you know, if my Zoom meeting that that's that's been going on since March continues, mm-hmm. I've got that. Call my sponsor. Call you. Check in with people that are in the yeah. program. There is really no excuse for me not to stay close unless I decide not to stay close. And that's not the road that I want to take anymore yeah. because I know how it ends. And this time if I did take that path again, Rochelle would leave. She would leave. Um, yeah. I would lose everything, 100%. And that's just not, it's the it's, last thing I want. Rochelle is such a great Al-Anon to the point where it's almost to a fault, where I'm sitting there and I'm like, leave. Like, just, I okay, so I see you in October in Vegas. That was kind of like the ramping up to the end. Rochelle comes to my house. I have the kids swimming in the backyard. We're sitting on the couch and all of a sudden she just starts crying. And I'm like, what's going on? I don't ever see, I don't think I've ever seen Rochelle cry. She's so strong, but Mm. I'm seeing tears in her eyes. I don't even think I've ever told you this. And she's like, it's bad. Like the Coke, like everything. She goes, it's really bad. And she goes, he texted my brother on accident asking for drugs. And I was like, Whoops. What? Yeah, that was and she good was times. like she was like, 
I don't even know what to do. She's like, I'm so sick of it. I, I want to go see a therapist, but he's gone all the time. So I just don't even know what the point is. Mm. Like, and this is where the pandemic has really, truly been such a blessing for you, even mm-hmm. though you got sober before, but you've really had mm. this 10 months to solidify yeah. this. But that was bad. And I was like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I think I'm going to leave, which is interesting because up until then, that was really off the table. She's like, I'm fine. I'm never going to get married again anyways. It's okay. He's somewhat sober around the kids, you know, and when he's not, then I tell him he's got to go or whatever. The one one good thing is that neither one of my kids ever saw me drunk. Yeah. Thank God. But the straw that broke the camel's back after I got back from my last time to Vegas, which mm-hmm. was to go see my dear friend, Shania Twain, she was opening, that, that was her opening night. Um, she had taken over for our venue mm-hmm. in Las Vegas for her new residency at Planet Hollywood. And uh, I asked her to go multiple times. And you asked Rochelle to go. I asked Rochelle to go. And she just didn't want to go. Yeah. And... You know, I could have taken a sober friend. I could have taken whoever, but I said, well, I feel obligated that I should go. She she came five times to our show. She's a good yeah. friend. You know, at that time I was still doing country. So it's like, this is, it, it, it was all methodical. And then of course, you know, on the flight there, I'm already mapping it out. I'm already, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've already texted my old dealer there before I even left LA. Like it was all mapped out. And, you know, I changed my return flight three times because I, I still wasn't sober enough in my mind to pull it off, you know, per se, knowing all, all the time, I'm not going to pull this off. There's just no way. (laughs) This is the end. Everything is burning. There's no putting out this fire. (laughs) So I get home, we get into a tiff. Yeah. My oldest daughter hates when we even jokingly kind of yell back and forth where like we're having a debate on Madonna or whatever it is. Mm. And she's like, I don't like when you guys do that. But my youngest daughter came to sit next to me and then she got away from me rather quickly. And she said, you don't smell like my daddy. Mm. That was it. And the very next day I was still hungover. And I went to celebrate a friend's three-year sobriety day at the sober living that she used to live at. And I turned to a friend who is now my sponsor. And I was like, dude, I'm done. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, and he's known me long enough to know this I'm done is the real one. This isn't like I'm done for now. This was I'm freaking done. And from, I mean, Obviously, from the day I got home, which was the which was the sixth, I count my sobriety date as the eighth because I was still hungover. Mm. So I, until I was clear, and went to his house, started doing the work, and like I've never done what is asked of you in the program of recovery. I've never done it ever. I've never got a sponsor. I've never done step work. I've never done any of it. And then to know that I'm doing that now. It's pretty amazing how it's like, yeah, you know, you keep hearing about if you do it, there's going to be a change. (laughs) It works if you work it. And then I'm like, shit, they're right. There is a change. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I thought I was the one that was smart enough to outsmart this program, but but clearly not. No. Yeah. And the, what I've seen over the last year is nothing short of a miracle. I mean, anytime anybody gets sober, I'm like, wow, like, wow. 
But you really have just committed to this thing in a way that I feel like it's it's different. I feel mm. like it's definitely different. And I remember crying in your driveway at the holiday party when you said, this is it. I'm doing this. I, I'm getting sober. And I just h- hugged you and I wrapped my arms yeah. around you and I was crying. And I was like, I'm so happy. But I'm still thinking like, is this going to work? Well, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure everybody was. In, in, especially Rochelle, I'm sure. Yeah. But like, we had a little ongoing joke and then I basically finished the joke a few months ago. I said, babe, I was talking to a friend who's having problems mm. and was just being of service and just being there for them. And uh, and I don't even know what I said. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you if I tried. But when I got off the phone with them, Rochelle was like, who are you right now? <laughs> what is like, the, who, who is this person? I said, look, when you met me, you had the older model. I said, you... <laughs> You pre-ordered the good model (laughs) and it was on back order for a while. And now, thankfully, you finally got it delivered. Yeah. And she cracked up. But it's 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 true. I mean, it's it's a perfect metaphor. Like I well, it's interesting because it's right around the time that you bought her her dream Porsche. So it's almost uh, like she finally got that Porsche baby. Yes. She did. She did. And it's just amazing to to watch your dedication, even through doing uh, Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. you were still- oh, I could never have done that shit drunk. Oh my God. I mean, don't get me wrong. No. The stress of the show, <laughs> I was like, man, thank God I'm sober yeah. because I, I, I could have easily just been, I mean, yeah, it would have been a train wreck. But you were <laughs> showing up. Um, I'm in that Wednesday or, or that, that week or, oh my gosh, can I talk? I'm in that <laughs> daily group and in the text thread. And every day you're like, I'm here, guys. I'm here. Yeah. I'm plugged in. I've got support. I'm doing this thing. You had Cheryl, who's also sober, not yep. in the program, but sober, no, which is yeah. amazing. No, she was Someone so good. Someone who understands. She was so good because when we first started, so there was three weeks of actual re- like dance rehearsal mm-hmm. before the first episode. Then after that, it was like two days to learn a song and then, or, you know, dance. And then it's like camera blocking and then it's the live show. Like there's mm-hmm. no time. And I did not take that three weeks for granted. Believe me, I was like, I needed that. That was great. But one of the first things that I mentioned to her and to the producers is, look, we got to schedule my rehearsal time around my meeting. Yeah. And some of the days, because once the whole cast was like in the actual dance rehearsal space, there was time slots. So some people love the mornings, others love the evening. And then there's the middle. And I preferred the middle because I knew I could be done right Mm. before my, you know, my uh, Zoom meeting. But then things changed as people started getting kicked off the show, the times changed and I just couldn't win. So my, my block became like three to seven, but she willingly would be like, oh crap, it's 4.30, you have to go do your meeting. And she let me go sit in the car for 30 minutes, mm. do the meeting and come back. And I was like a different person. Cause yeah. you know, it, this was a whole new experience for me doing this show. Yes, I'm a dancer. I've danced my whole life. Never done ballroom dancing. I know. I thought for sure you'd have the one up on everybody, but God, no. that's so hard. No. It is another level. No. Anyone who's got prior dance experience that's not ballroom related, yeah. it's much more challenging. It's not help you have you. to reprogram everything I've known 
for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I've known hip hop, jazz, contemporary ballet. No, I, I, I never did kicks and flicks and I never did <laughs> all this shit that and they asked me to do. And hold the shoulders and oh, frame. the, uh, oh, the framing and all of that. It when I can get, when I can get more ink done, which I'm going to get, yeah. I'm getting that word tattooed or frame. I'm, or I'm just going to get a picture frame <laughs> tattooed somewhere. Cause it's, that's how I can always remember, remember. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, seeing you over the last year has been truly remarkable and celebrating your one year is just such it's such a gift to see and it just reminds me of of those early days of my sobriety and as I approach a decade which is like whoa. A decade of recovery, I look back on the last 10 years and I just it's not the trajectory of my life that I could have ever imagined. Oh, I sure. I, you know, having two kids and Living the life that I have is amazing. It's beyond my wildest dreams. So I guess my kind of last question for you would be, AJ, 10 years from now, Hmm. AJ, 10 years from now, he's got a decade decade sober. You will have an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old. And that's when I pick up a drink again. No, um, 18. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine a decade from now? Like, what do you want your life to look like? What what do you envision for yourself? I don't, I don't see it much different than it is now because it's the best it's ever been now. You know, uh, obviously I would like to have a very successful solo career, a very successful cosmetic line and like makeup and my, and my, you know, you just launched, the we just nail launched polishes. Ava Dean nail polish. Yeah. Um, and just build a little empire and make sure my kids are set for life. And then, because here's the thing, I can say this now and I'll say it to the day I die. I will never retire. That will never happen. I love what I do too much even if I'm not performing, You're it doesn't be mean Nelson. it doesn't mean I'm not going to be writing music yes. and producing music or love that. The one thing I really do want, and and it's pretty much how I started my whole career in this business. In period was was in acting, and everyone that knows me is like, dude, how you're you're not an actor with the voices you do, the characters you do. I don't understand it. Everything will come when it's meant to come. But the one thing that I will say. And, and this is for anyone out there listening, as well as I see it every single morning when I brush my teeth. I have a tattoo on my neck that's backwards, purposely, so I see it properly mm-hmm. when I'm looking at myself in the mirror. And when I went to rehab the first time, it was all over this wall, and it's a Winston Churchill quote. And so many clients at this treatment center all wrote that same quote. I'm like, man, there must be something to this. And it says, if you're going through hell, keep going. And that is how I live my life today because there's going to be shitty times. Look at what we're doing right now, but you got to keep going. You can't go backwards. You got to keep pressing forward. And 10 years from now, I'm going to continue to keep pressing forward. And I look forward to it. I don't look forward to an 18 year old and a 14 year old. That's what I don't (laughs) look forward to. But I, you know, we, we both, you and I have, fucking kick-ass kids. We do. So with great home lives and great mm, parenting, yeah. which is where it all starts in yeah. my in my honest opinion. And I think it's just awesome. Like Evan is fantastic. Rochelle's fantastic. 
We got a good squad here, man. We really we do. We got a good squad. We really, really do. We're funny. We're lighthearted. We're in recovery. We're happy. Team Haynes clean. <laughs> Team, Team Haynes clean. clean. You know, it's funny because I was reflecting with Rochelle about everything that's just happened in the last year. And I was like, you know what? If I've walked away, because we've been toying around with the idea of doing like a family YouTube channel. Rochelle mentioned it to me. And then she was like looking at all the time that is consumed with it. And she's like, I don't know, man. It's like, you literally, that's why all these young influencers and these YouTube stars, they don't have kids. They don't have responsibility Yeah, but I want to pay someone to do it. I think that our lives are interesting enough that it'd be fun. And we wouldn't have to put out that much content because the content we would put out was like golden. But I was saying to her as we were thinking about names for our channel or what the overall theme is. And it's really that Sometimes you get to choose family and I'm so grateful that mm. you guys chose us and that yeah. we chose you because the relationships that our children have are so special yeah. and they're going to have that for the rest of their lives. And even when we're, cause we don't have huge families, either no. of us. And so I just love to think about the fact that even when we're gone, mm. they're going to have each other. Oh yeah, And that's such an amazing thing. Like, I just feel like, the kids are all right. Like the kids are all right. They're yeah. going to be okay. They've already found no their ride or what. dies. I know. So. And I love that for them. Yeah. And it just makes me feel like, okay, we're good. You yeah. know what I mean? Because well, they're going to be taking care of us someday. I know. <laughs> I know. That's going to be fun. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's just, what more could you ask for? Mm. That is the biggest blessing mm-hmm. that there is. And it's, you know, Rochelle was like, well, Alex wants to move out of state. And I'm like, we're going, just tell us where we will go. No, Nashville? I do. I okay. mean, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been farting around with park city, uh, with Montana. I don't know what it is about me wanting so much property, but I want, I want property. property. And if yes. you want that out here, you're going to pay out the ass for it. And I mean, look out by where we live, both of us, you and I, you can get property for a decent price. But if you want to come on this side of town, like Hollywood side or the hills or like, no, you're going to pay stupid money. But Rochelle said she never moved back to the city. Our idea was let's buy a big piece of land and then build two houses on it. Right. Like, and let's have buy golf carts 15, from home to home. 15 acres, you know what yeah. I mean? And just- you could have like organic raised beds of fruits and vegetables. You could have you, whatever you all want. All of it. But I do like the idea of Nashville. I'm just planting that seed. Nashville's I'm here great. For I mean, it. I've spent a lot of time in Nashville, Franklin and Brentwood. Brentwood is my I personal love favorite. Brentwood. You know, Governor's Club is where I was looking at for mm-hmm. us to move. It's it's on a golf course. It's gorgeous. But we've also have this idea in the next year or two to go move to New York for a year. And just just to yep. have it in this little adventure. Yep. Um, somewhere in the city, close to the park. The girls can go to like the top dance school, mm-hmm. whatever. Maybe I could do Broadway once it comes back. It's, it's been one of my lifelong dreams. And, you know, just for a year. And then I'm like, well, what happens if we love it? Then what? She's like, no, no, no. We'll be bi-coastal then. Like, we'll have a house in New York That's and we'll have a house I feel. in California. I said that to Evan the other day because I go, if we, with all the money we save in state income tax, we could have houses all over the place. Well, that's the thing. I said, babe, you're picking the two places <laughs> the highest with the highest tax. tax. Why would you do that? Like, let's do like Nashville and Montana I where there's no state that. Ta- or Park City. Like, yes. 
where there's go somewhere and make it your main residence where there's there's no state tax. Like that's mm-hmm. what makes the most sense. That's why I like Brentwood. So I'm just planting the seed, just saying wherever I'm you guys go, for we it, will man. go. Um, I will not be going to New York just because the summers in New York can, yeah. cannot do it. Um, well, I think we'd probably come back for the summer yeah. and be there in the winter and yes. really experience the snow. Yeah, the and snowy, it's New awesome. New York winter. I know. It is magical. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for finally coming on the podcast. Anytime. I really appreciate it. You can. We should get you on our podcast, too. I'd love that. And we should you totally. can follow along with AJ on Instagram at AJ underscore McLean. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. At AJ underscore McLean. He's on TikTok now. Yeah. He's a very, TikTok queen. Very mildly on TikTok <laughs> now, but um, uh, I I enjoy watching the videos more than making them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, because I, I still don't have any social media on my phone. I haven't for almost, it'll be a little over two years this month. And yeah. it's been a blessing because it does consume all your time. And I have an a, amazing social media team that, runs everything. I know, it's great. You just text them and you're like, hey, put yeah. this in a caption yeah. and then post the photo. And exactly. they're like, okay, got it. I think we should do a funny TikTok as promo for this episode. I would love that. That's um, fine. And then, yes, your nail polish line is out now. Yep. Ava it Dean. is. Uh, yep. Yeah, you can also follow us on Instagram, my Ava Dean. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, it's 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 currently out for pre-order right now and we'll be getting the sales. will be going out probably end of January. So. And when is that solo album coming out? Solo album uh, next year, 100%. Uh, the first single will be definitely in January. Mm. Um, and um, I've got a couple of showcases coming up in January as well. So hopefully I can lock down a major record deal, which would be fantastic. And then we're off to the races, finally. I will say I've heard bits and pieces of it. It is so good. Thank I'm you. really excited. You're back in your like poppy R&B roots. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good one, guys. Good. So with that, until next week. This week's affirmation is, I have the power to change my life. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering From Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com.